So we are starting a new series, like I said before, it's called Praying Through, and it's all about praying through the storms of life. We're going to talk about uh, how it needs to be done, like, that, like if there's only one certain way you can do it. Uh, today we're talking about the priority of prayer, like why it needs to be the number one thing in our lives, and so often it's not. We're going to talk about barriers that will keep us from prayer in the future. We're going to talk about the model prayer. Any guesses what that one is? Yeah, yeah, that's almost as good as Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the, finally, the goal of prayer. So today we're all about the priority of prayer. And I want to start with this question. What's your experience with prayer? Good, bad? Uh, this is, for those of you who are uninitiated, I don't talk at people, I talk with them. So there's, there's sometimes some audience engagement here. I want to do a highly scientific survey. If your experience with prayer is good, this is good. If it's not good, this is not good. If it's, you got a meter anywhere in between, right? So it's sort of, sort of bad, mostly good. So by show of thumbs, how is prayer in your world? Okay, good, thank you. That, that's very informative. That, that also helps me uh, make up what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. <laughs> All right, so uh, your experience with prayer may vary. Uh, my experience with prayer has been kind of hit and miss, to be honest with you. And I think it is more hit when I understand the purpose of prayer, and it's been more miss when I've misused prayer. And, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about what I mean. And, and my goal, I need to be clear today, my goal is not to make us feel like we've been doing it wrong or that we are doing it wrong. My goal is to bring some clarity about why prayer needs to be the number one thing that we do. Because if it isn't, all kinds of bad things can happen. So as we look at this idea of prayer being number one, um, let me just say that we're not the only ones that are told that prayer should be number one in our life. The enemy knows that prayer is supposed to be number one in our life, and the enemy will do anything that they can to make that not happen. So why would that be such a big deal to, to keep us from praying? Praying is communication with God. Now, in, in the real world, if you want to defeat an enemy, one of the best things that you can do is cut their communications. Because when they can't talk to each other, they can't coordinate. When they can't coordinate, they can't fight. And when they can't fight, they get separated. When they get separated, they die. Same thing happens in the spiritual world. That prayer is communication. That valuable communication is the thing that keeps us together as the body of Christ. If I were to summarize today's sermons in two words, only two words that I want you to remember, prayer aligns. That's it. Now you can go home, right? So prayer aligns. Well, what do you mean by that, Bill? Glad you asked because we're going to talk about that. Prayer aligns us in purpose with God. Prayer aligns us in purpose with each other to act as the body of Christ. And when we do that, the enemy gets worried because the last thing he wants is a bunch of people who are following God working together to, to build God's kingdom. That's why he's so adamant about making prayer not a priority. You may have experienced some of these things. Prayer doesn't work. I asked for this, and it hasn't happened. Prayer is pointless. I just say words, and they just float out in ether. There's no result that comes of that. Prayer is a crutch. Prayer is for weak people. They're the ones who can't handle things. Because I, I will tell you, there are things in this life that <laughs> I feel like Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth, right? <laughs> yeah, there are things in this life that you can't handle. I'll, I'll, I'll take you to the cemetery. cemetery. <laughs> Let's edit that. I'll take you to the cemetery, <laughs> and I'll show you a whole bunch of people that ran up against something that they can't handle. 
You can't beat that. Not on your own. But I know someone who can. I'm going to get off on another sermon if I keep going. But let me just say that that priority of prayer is going to make all the difference. And I want to take an example out of Acts. So if you're playing the home game today, if you want to turn to chapter 1 of Acts, it's right after the uh, Gospels. And we're going to read verses 4 through 14 out of Acts 1. Now to set the stage, here's what's going on at this time in the life of the church. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has risen. Jesus has appeared and is working with the disciples. He's continuing the teaching, which is kind of freaky. It doesn't happen every day. So he's been working with them. He's been educating them. They've been talking back and forth. And he's getting ready to send the Holy Spirit. And they're not really sure what this means, but they know it's big. So that's where we pick up the story today as we prepare to sneak in on this conversation. So when it says uh, on one occasion he was eating, they're talking about Jesus, the risen Jesus. So here we go. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates my father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from her, their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky where he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. These are the words of God. They are for the people of God, and for these words, we are grateful. <clears throat> I want to pick through these verses for just a second, because this always fascinates me. It's easy to read a story like this and go, oh yeah, that's just the way it was. But let's dive in, shall we? Let me start with uh, this verse 4 here. Understand that as you read the story, do you, do you understand who it is that they're meeting with? This is Jesus, not just any Jesus. This is Jesus, Son of God. Not just any Jesus, Son of God. This is Jesus, Son of God, who has risen from the grave. How many other religious leaders, how many other leaders in history have come back from the grave and taught again? Um, zero that I know of. Maybe you know of others. This alone, let's not let that get away from us. This is the risen Jesus that is back appearing before many people and still teaching his disciples. And listen what he says. Do not leave Jerusalem. Let that sink in for a second because play back about a week, or, or in this case it could be up to 40 days. Let's play back two months. What was going on in Jerusalem? Uh, that would be the time when the disciples got together in the upper room and they had that thing called the Last Supper 
Uh, that would be the time when the Roman troops came and seized Jesus, and uh, they, there was an ear that was cut off, a little minor incident that got fixed, no problem. Just as good as new. That was the time when every one of those disciples abandoned Jesus out of sheer fear and terror because they were afraid they would be put to death. And he was in the most cruel and unusual way you can imagine. That's the Jerusalem that we're talking about. And this is the Jerusalem that Jesus says, hey, go back there. Go back to the scene of the crime. I would be saying, what? I'm not going back there. That's dangerous. They may know who I am. They may remember me from when we were there. It's only been two months. And you want me to go back to Jerusalem? Yes. See, sometimes Jesus asks us to go place that make no sense, but it will make sense. Jesus doesn't guarantee our comfort or even our safety. Jesus guarantees a mission that is worth fighting for. Go back to Jerusalem. Because that's where he's going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Now, we have the benefit of many years of experience, and we can look back. The disciples should have known what he meant because he told them what the Holy Spirit would do. You can go back in John 14 and read all about it. These are Jesus' words saying, hey, I'm going to send you this Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is going to teach you. It's going to remind you of everything I said. So don't worry about what to say when you're in front of people. I'll help you out. I got you back. But look at where they go here. Very next thing uh, uh, the disciples asked in verse 6. This tells me that the disciples are not aligned with Jesus' true mission. See, coming into Jerusalem, coming into that Last Supper, pretty sure the disciples were thinking that as Jesus does his thing, whatever it's going to be, this big thing that Jesus is going to do in Jerusalem, he's going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to establish the kingdom like it was during the time of David and Solomon. That's why they're jockeying for position. Hey, I want to be at your left seat. I want to be at your right hand. I want to be Secretary of Defense. I want to be Secretary of State. They have no idea what they're asking for. No one of them would say, I want to hang at your right, or I want to hang at your left on that cross. They wouldn't have been asking if they had understood. So this next word that they say, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, tells me that they're still in that same mindset. They're expecting this risen Jesus to do exactly the same thing, to overthrow the Romans, reestablish the kingdom. They're still hoping for that cabinet seat. They don't understand the way Jesus' New Testament church is going to work. And the Holy Spirit is going to help them do that. But here's the thing. God is not going to pour out the Holy Spirit until they're aligned with this mission, until they understand the way the New Testament church is going to go and the way that God is going to work through it. So they have to be aligned before the Holy Spirit can come. As we go through, they, they select, there's a, like there's five sermons in here, so I'm going to skip because you don't have that kind of time. But I, I want to just jump ahead then to, to verse 14 because as they're getting ready to realign with Jesus, as they're getting ready to receive this Holy Spirit that's going to be absolutely life-changing, look at what the priority was. In verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. It doesn't say uh, they witnessed. It doesn't say they had service projects going on. It doesn't say they had fellowship dinners and pancake dinners. It doesn't say, what else could I make fun of? No, I'm not making fun of. It's all good stuff. But the number one thing that is mentioned in text is they constantly gathered in prayer. See, that tells me that there must be something important about that prayer. It must be first place for a reason. And I think that reason is all about alignment. 
So rather than give you a, a, a great theological, theological treatise, um, which I can't even pronounce, by the way, uh, I'm going to give you a very high-tech demo, because those of you who know me know how high-tech I can get. So let's pretend like this is a garden, <clears throat> and we need to irrigate it. And we have a giant tank of water that is all over the state, just like a giant aquarium, all right? And you all are the plants, and we need to get water to you, all right? So far, so good. This is where it gets really complex, okay? <clears throat> so <laughs> you thought this was only for two weeks ago. This is multi It's available at wordsurf.org slash merch, if you would like to know. <clears throat> so I need to figure out how to get from this tank to every one of you. And I've got many more of these, but I only had two hands, so work with me, all right? So I need to connect in alignment to get that water going. And I'm not going to let the water go until it's perfectly aligned, because I don't want to make a mess on the stage. And besides, if I did that, you would get zero water, and you would die. And it would be a desolate wasteland that I look out on. So what I need to do is align all of these things all the way out to every one of you and branch it out several times so that this water can get to you because you're not getting water anywhere else. Sorry to break it to you. This is, a, you know, we're under a roof. So this is the only way that you can get this water. So what, it, what is the, the carryover? The, the carryover is this is the important, uh, importance of alignment. Before God releases this Holy Spirit that is going to be life-changing, he needs his people to be aligned so that this flows through and goes out to all of Judea, Samaria, and beyond. We're not just talking the kingdom of Israel. That's small change. Solomon and all his glory, that's nothing. God wants to save the whole world. I read that somewhere. For God loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. See, we're thinking kingdom, that's too small for God. He wants the whole world. And so he begins to align his people. How do we do that? Through prayer. How many times have you prayed? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> How many times have you prayed and it's just been a request list at the end of the day? Has your prayer ever involved listening, receiving guidance, aligning yourself to the will of God? Has your prayer ever been, God, put me to use in whatever you need? See, that's when I made that shift mentally, that's when prayer started to work. Not in the ways I wanted, by the way. Not in ways that made me comfortable. Not in ways that even made me safe. But in ways that made me purposeful. Ways that made me connect to the kingdom of God, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when it works, it works beautifully. So often we pull away from that. We, we, we don't align to the will of God because what I want is over there. And so this person who occasionally will come and say, I just feel so dry. I, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I don't feel God talking to me. God's got plenty of talk. We just need to listen and align. Or perhaps it is that, well, my thing is over here. My, my thing is not God. My thing is over here. Whatever that thing is, whether that's work, whether that's sports, whether that's whatever hobby distracts you. And so they go looking for that thing over here. Actually, that's backwards. I mean, I, I love our society and all. But, yeah, you can go do things. You're allowed to have a life as a Christian. I read that somewhere, too. But here's the thing. That's not the source. That's the destination. And prayer will illuminate ways that we can stay connected to the source and take that water to whatever we're doing. Do you see the difference? 
It's not hobby versus God. It's not work versus God. It's not sports versus God. It's how do I bring God to what I'm doing? Prayer will help us do that. Prayer will keep that alignment. And oh, by the way, as we do that, we begin to water many areas out there. And we begin to look out and see a field that is fruitful. Because enough water will not just grow a plant, but will grow a plant to the point of producing fruit. And if you're familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, it is good stuff. Who doesn't want to see a society that's gentle and joyful and kind and patient? Instead, we have a wasteland where there's hatred, anger, bitterness, strife, envy, all of those things. And my theory is because there's been a broken alignment somewhere. There's water, Holy Spirit, pouring out somewhere. It's just not getting to the rest of the world. Now, for my part of that, that's why prayer, prayers of confession, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that today because we're going to talk about it in the future. But so often I think, God, if there's something that I'm doing that has broken this connection, if there's some way that I'm distributing this Holy Spirit that is not putting it in the place that you need it, forgive me, but show me where you need that. And maybe you've had this too. This is, <laughs> this is just pastor confession time. This is my number one thing. I pray for me. God, give me the Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit on me. Is there anything wrong with that prayer? No. But here's what I make wrong with it in the flow of things. God, give me your Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen in this case? It's going to back up. There's going to be a mess somewhere. There's going to be a whole lot of Holy Spirit somewhere. It's just not getting to you. And if you're the manager of the water slash Holy Spirit, and you see a pipe that's clogged, what are you going to do? What was it? Unclog it. Yeah, sometimes that's called suffering. Sometimes that's called pain. I know you love your job, but you know what? I'm going to take it away from you because I need you to flow. I know life is good and happy, but I'm going to touch you in a way that, that kind of breaks your heart so I can unplug you and we can flow again. And there's a whole other set of sermon series in that. But sometimes the unplugging is painful because we've allowed ourselves to get plugged. And sometimes it just needs to happen. I don't know how all this works. I wish I could tell you everything that, that, that God does. But I can't. But what I do know is he is faithful and he is good. And there's a, a whole book and a whole history that will show you that. I'm fascinated to, to spend some time with you and share that whole story with you. But suffice it to say that the Holy Spirit needs to flow. Look at the world around us. As I look at it today, I see more wasteland than I see fruit. That's not on God. That's on God's people. If we're willing to own that, if we're willing to put prayer first, and if we're willing to allow prayer to align us, we can begin to make a difference in that. Will it happen overnight? It could. God can work that way. But for whatever reason that I don't understand, God chooses to put us in this chain. I don't know if you can see that picture all the way in the back, but it's a pair of hands that's holding that water dripping onto that plant. And, and look at the, the ground around it. It's absolutely arid. That's what God calls us to. That's, that's how the word comes through and the spirit flows. And sometimes that service is the only life-giving thing in that person's life. If it's attached to Christ and the Holy Spirit is working in it, it will be life-giving. That's us in the chain of things. Holding that drip 
It's rarely a one-time fix. It's often painful and inconvenient and messes with your schedule and gets in your way. But man, that's the kingdom of God is messy. I hate to break it to you. There ain't no clean uniforms in the kingdom of God. So how do we do this? Well, the application is here. When we pray, listen, don't just talk. As I like to say, God's a general, not a genie. He's not my friend. He's my commander. When I pray to him, yeah, I'll take my request to him. I'll, I'll ask him, hey, can you help me with these things? But I'll also make time to say, what is it that you need? Where will you have me serve? What would you have me do? Put me to use. Not for my fame, not for my glory, not for my credit, but for yours. Because yours is way, way better than mine. So when you pray, take time to listen. Secondly, be humble. We talked about humility a couple weeks ago when we talked about the left tackle. You can go back on wordserve.org slash sermons or our YouTube channel. You can hear all about the left tackle in football and how that's humility. But here's the thing. When you pray, be willing to be moved. Whether that's physically moved or spiritually moved, be prepared for your heart to be broken. Be prepared to feel something so powerful that you can't not respond. Be prepared for a movement of God that will change your life forever. If we don't expect it, we don't know what to look for. And we just go back to a series of checklists of prayers. Not that those are bad. I'm not saying that's bad. But there's so much more. Prayer is like a Ferrari that we're driving in first gear. We've never gotten out of first gear. Word, sir, we've got to get in and get out on the Autobahn and let it rip and see what God can do. It's an adventure. It's exciting. So if you're tired of being dry, that listening may realign you and you may encounter that Holy Spirit once again. And whatever field that you're watering, maybe it's at work. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your community. It can be anything, but it starts with that alignment. And finally, if you're tired of seeing the effects of the world and you want to see the effects of the fruit of the Spirit, this is absolutely essential. This world is not going to get better by itself. You've seen the world's trends. The world doesn't trend towards order and grace and love. This world trends towards hatred and bitterness, division, strife, anger. You, you can fill in your own words. It does not happen by itself. And for whatever reason, God invites us to be part of the network. Lastly, this idea of the priority of prayer, if we will continue this, if we will make this a part of it, I, I encourage you to join me on this 30-day challenge. For those of you who are familiar with YouVersion, uh, the, the red there, YouVersion.com, it's a free Bible app I've mentioned before. I encourage you to download it. And for the next 30 days, look for this guy, Dr. Gra Jack Graham, easy for me to say. Uh, Lord, hear our cry. It's a 30-day prayer challenge. I challenge you to take this prayer challenge with me. And I'm not going to lie, I already got a head start. So you got to catch up. But you can download your app, and it will send you reminders every day. It's a brief devotional with some Bible verses and a prayer that he has prayed and invites you to pray. I encourage you to join me on this 30-day challenge. And if you don't want to do you version or this particular challenge, I encourage you to find some way that will get you praying for the next 30 days. And I encourage you to write about it. I know every guy in the room is going, journal. Ugh. I know, right? It doesn't have to be like prose. Just write some bullet statements. 
and, and record exactly what you're feeling, exactly what you're going through. And I'll tell you the times that I have done this and I have looked back on that later, I have seen God's hand at work. I couldn't see it at the time. But as I look back on that journal, I've seen God move in powerful ways. Absolutely affected my life. So I encourage you to join me on this 30-day challenge. Finally, I found this quote that I think is so essential for uh, a people who, who say, my life has no purpose or meaning. I go through the motions. It, it seems like there's more that I'm missing. Let me read this quote to you. Our assignment comes with the alignment. Too many people look for the assignment without first finding their alignment. Doesn't that make sense? The God who created you, the God who poured into you, who knew you in your mother's womb, who knit you together and knows exactly what you have to offer, probably knows where you should offer that. Don't you think it's a good idea to line up with that? You see, that's why prayer is the number one priority. In alignment, we find purpose. In alignment, God's kingdom is built and not ours. In alignment, we encounter a world and a community that enjoys the fruit of the spirit and not the fruit of the world. Don't you think it's time we made prayer number one? Let's pray. God, we thank you <clears throat> that you are a God who listens. We thank you that you have given us a way to communicate with you, the creator of the universe. God, forgive us when we pull away from that, when we ask for things that don't accord, uh, go in accordance with your kingdom. Forgive us when we just fail to pray or we think that prayer has no purpose because we're human. We, we do the best we can, but we just don't understand sometimes. So God, my prayer here is for everyone who attempts this thing called prayer, that you would move in a way that they can recognize. Not necessarily in the way that we want, but in the way that will build your kingdom. But let us see your hand at it. Let us have the comfort of knowing that it's your voice that we're hearing. Let us sense the excitement of the call that you place on our lives as we encounter you all anew. And God, let us have a vision that is God-sized, a vision of a world saved by you and joined the fruit of the Spirit, and let us see what our part is in that as we simply align and let you flow through us. God, for your glory, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.